1: Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in him is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. I no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like
2: them Kim trails in the sky. Well, well, grand rising, everybody. Welcome to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. We have a great day thick lineup for you today on this thorough Thursday. So I'm so glad that you're joining us. I'm excited that I get to dive in with some amazing guests. Uh, Up first, we're going to be talking to Reverend Harriet Walden. Of course, uh, she is the founder of Mothers for Police Accountability, and she has been working on community safety measures for decades. So I'm so glad that she's in the building to tell us more about the ways that they're approaching community safety. We also have Chelsea in the building. We're gonna be talking to Chelsea about her connection to the Seattle King County Clinic and how the Seattle Center is a part of that. And also I'll be talking to Franny. Franny is in the building and she's gonna be telling us all about the work of the Seattle King County Clinic um, and also kind of how they wrapped up 2022 and what they're looking forward to in 2023. We're going to be ending this show with my girl, Tame Wakomas in the building. We're going to be talking about Sankofa Theater, all the amazing events that they have going on there. And there's an upcoming event that we'll be learning about. So trust me when I say it is a jam-packed show today, and I'm so glad to have all of these beautiful ladies in the building. Uh, You know, we made sure Curtis was all right. A lot of energy over here. Curtis is good. But of course, you guys know it's the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share this stream go ahead tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the day with trey if you can't watch us don't worry we got you covered you can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast just search converge media network and you guys will find the day with trey there on google spotify itunes soundcloud all of the platforms, you name it, whichever one is your favorite, check us out and make sure you guys are sharing the podcast as well. Well, because we have a jam packed show, I'm excited. I get to get right into it with Reverend Harriet Walden, one of our community goddesses, uh who's been doing work for such a very long time. Hi, Reverend Walden.
1: Good morning. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I love the wind, so it was windy outside. I love the wind. So I'm oh, good.
2: yeah, yeah, definitely a windy day it today. Is, is. Well, you know. I, I just want to thank you for all of your dedication to community, um, to elevating brilliance in the community and to doing the the work of how we keep our community safe. Let's talk about this, because I know uh, Mothers for Police Accountability, you guys just had a meeting last night around community safety. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, we did. So what Mothers is uh, doing now is that we're actually running a parallel track. Uh, we're also concerned about police uh, harm and how they harm us in the community. But we also paramountly uh, concerned about community harm. Uh, and what, does, what, does, what are the elements of a community, of a safe community? It's been a generation and we have children who've never known safety. I mean, if, if, if you're 32 years old today, and you lived in Seattle. By the time you were six or seven years old, you probably knew your family knew someone that it might have gotten killed. I mean, and that's it's been a it's been a, a occurring theme in our community. Uh, and so uh, we came together to look at the elements of a community of a safe community. One of the uh, and everybody wanted to be safe in their own home. Uh, we also have a survey. Uh, people want to be able to go to store safe. Uh, and then we had one of the uh, one of the uh, our young ladies, there, uh mothers there who had lost her partner uh, to gun violence. Uh, and um, and so we also got putting we will be putting together a, a video of the mothers who have lost their um, their children to violence in Seattle because because those lives don't matter. I mean, there's nobody talking about Black Lives Matter now, and especially mothers do support support the, the uh, shot uh, spotter. Uh, and there's a lot of people who don't on uh, ACLU, but it's not their children. It's our children. And the social scientists said years ago that the African-American people, we didn't care about having a safe community. We didn't care about all of that. And so we have internalized that. But this is not who we are. This is just a this is just an aberration of people who've been in this country uh, uh, before the Civil War. Uh, And so we have to build on that. uh, They talked about the schools, what happens in the education of the system. I mean, our children grew up not even knowing who they are because unlike you and other parents who take the time to make sure that they understand that they got here by way uh, how they got here and the the, uh, extraordinary ancestors that we've had. I mean, we fought for our own liberation. I mean, that and, um, and we are the better day that our ancestors prayed up. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at you. Yeah. You know, you're the better day that your ancestors prayed up. That's right. And that, but if our children knew that piece, I mean, there's no reason in Seattle to ever pick up a gun. You can go to city. You can go to community college free. You can take a bus to school free. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of free things in Seattle that we don't, we're not taking advantage of. So how do we do that? Well, uh, we talked about mental health issues. I mean, you know, mental health issues and being able to be paramount, paramount about that and understand that also we still deal, dealing with oppression sickness. Yeah. We're navigating yeah. oppression every day. I don't care how much money we have. I don't care how poor we are, everybody navigates it in a different way. And also our liberal friends sometimes and, and the far right and the far left don't care if we change because as long as we're picking up a gun to harm somebody, white supremacy wins, mm. it's like a chess game.
2: Yeah, this is something that's so true. I mean, one of the things that I think has been being said to, you know, I have heard it now several times in community is that, you know, uh, when we talk about uh, internal violence in the Black community, we have young folks that are committing, you know, being shooters out here on the street. Mm -hmm. And now they're doing work of the KKK, basically. That's right,
1: exactly. And I'm hearing that more and more now. That's right. But also, we have to understand that we. this is a psychological war. It's been going on for 159 years. I've been on the high school 59 years. I was one of those wonderful 1946 babies. <laughs> 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 wonderful 46 yeah, babies. Uh, and the war is going on in a psychological. Every 10 years, they change everything. I mean, and so it's hard for us to understand but it's a war and the social engineering. Uh, young people have been socially engineered to be that violent. They weren't some violent six or nine years ago. So, what has happened in society that today uh, uh, we have children who will come in here and harm us and not better not? What has happened in our society that, that have allowed that? It's more opportunity today than it was when I grew up. I mean, really, truly, opportunity is abound. But look at the accomplishments. I mean, look at the accomplishments of the people like Catherine Johnson and the people who came out of segregation. You know, I mean, what was What was that cohesiveness? And I've heard you talk about cohesiveness in the Central District when you grew up here. Yeah, I mean, people, we are we are communal people and we need one another. Yeah, We need one another. We, 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 we were linked together in time when we came here. And people said, well, we didn't come as an individual.
0: That's right. We came as
1: a collective. That's right. And that's what we need one another. And so the elements, you know, as safety, I, I mean, just been walking out your house. I mean, because we're the only people in, in, in America that, that has three different places where we get harm. One for people who don't like us. Who don't live in our community, who don't look like us, like Buffalo, just go to the grocery store. Uh, then we have the police who harms us. Uh, and then we have a community harm. Mm. That's a lot of stress on mothers. You're a mother. Yeah. You know, it really isn't. So we on our knees praying all the time for our children. For our children, because they could just go to the store and not come back. That's right. So so we have to, and so these are the things that we have to talk about. Nobody can help us. We don't need the white liberals to help us on this. Mm-hmm. This is our issue. Mm-hmm. But we didn't create it. We've lived through this issue uh, uh, and uh, we are heroic people. And you know why I authentically love us? Because every day we go out into a hostile world and we send our kids into hostility every day I think we're the most courageous people. Yeah. Cause look at that. Look at that hostility that we go out to. You go in the office. What is that new word you all use? What's, what's, so, so, something about aggression. You got all these new words for aggression. (laughs) What, what you call it? You call it micro, micro aggressions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That means somebody want to touch your hair and (laughs) (laughs) all those things. Yeah. So we're just really committed to building a world for peace for our children, for the next generation.
2: Yeah, We're and
1: gonna plant that tree. You know, one thing yeah. about planting the olive tree, I might not live to see the fruit of the tree, mm-hmm. but your children will. Yeah, That's why we get up off, the, that's why we get up. It's not for us, it's <laughs> for the children. You know, and yeah. that's why the, the, thats what this is about. We want the next generation to live in peace. Well, while we can help the young people understand that they are the better day to day ancestors—they ancestors did not suffer for them to pick up a gun and harm somebody.
2: That's right. That's did right. Not. Did not. Well, you know, this is—is uh, is such a—I mean, this is the dedication of Mothers uh, for Police Accountability that you have really dedicated so many mm-hmm. years to—is um, really getting these messages out so people understand it. But you know, you said something there too that I think I. I want to make sure people hear this in terms of the shot spotter right yeah. i mean I, I was able to talk to brian callinan a few weeks ago mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. and it's like you know I, I was like well should we be the guinea pigs i want to hear your perspective because you and i had a really great conversation out in community about this and you're saying look we need this in our community to really begin to figure out how we identify who these shooters are because we do have, we still, I mean, we talk about Tyrone Love. There's so many, There's so many countless murders right. so that many. are still not solved. So, Tell us a, a bit more about the shot spotter. Well, what
1: it does is, is that uh, it, it will give the, to you know where the shots are coming from, number one, be able to get there. And number two, but it goes along with another safety plan. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's a safety plan also. So we have to come up with a safety plan but if we can identify uh, cars or, or, or individuals who are harming us, I mean, people shoot people in the daytime because they know they're not going to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do they shoot people in the daytime? Because they know they're not going to jail. And we ought not to be satisfied with murderers in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we ought to owe it to our own dignity that we want to have a clean, uh, we want to have a safe community. And that's just one of the tools. You know, that's one of the twos. And the other twos is that we're going to be actually, uh, you know, eventually we want to run some kind of, you know, um, commercials. Maybe we might buy some time on on Converged Media. I mean, because really, I believe peace and unity has to be marketed just like why does people buy Campbell's soup? It was marketed, mm-hmm. and so peace has to be marketed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and so a whole plan about marketing peace, uh, uh, why can't we pilot this, this? Why can't we be one of the cities that piloted it and let us let the black community see if it works? Mm-hmm. And then if it don't work, I mean, and then if there's other problems, well, then we can join that chorus, but why would you deny this an opportunity? And I challenge the city council, they have not ever had, I uh, have never, Ever had a a a, a, a form with the mothers mm. no one has ever talked to the mothers who have buried their children.
2: Can you believe that yeah this this is a, i mean when you said this to me uh in community i was um uh, I remember uh, being just so shocked by it because you would think that immediately when we talk about centering the voices of those that are closest to the issues, mothers really have been right. And I think, you know, parents, uh, who lose loved ones to these, uh, acts of violence in our community, their voices should be at the center of whatever solutions we're crafting. So when we think about something like a shot spotter, we need to hear from them on this, right? right? We need to hear that they're saying, no, look, even if there's some data that maybe shows it's not all the way right. How how can we actually right. benefit from right. you know what this right. uh, this new service is trying That's to do? Right. Yeah. That's right. yeah, and and
1: and let us and let us be part of that. You know, if it don't work though, but who knows? I mean, the, the violence might go down. I mean, the, the shooters might think differently. I mean, yeah. they'd say, oh, okay, I might. I mean, it might deter something. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I I think that the mothers. You have over a thousand mothers in Chicago. You had, you know, I mean, look at the mothers here. I mean, if you add them all up from 2000, from 2020 to now, it's going to be almost a hundred mothers. Mm. We ought to shame ourselves. And then for people to tell us that we don't need it or we shouldn't even pilot it, I think they're out of line. Mm. They don't live in our community. And if so, maybe they have not ever went to see a mother. I've been upset I've with mothers. Mm-hmm. The grief is just, you, there's no way you can contain a mother's grief when she, when she gets the news that her child has been shot or when she gets to the hospital, she's coming to the hospital thinking her child is in the hospital, but the child is in the morgue. Mm. So I mean, I mean, I mean, so it's all of this trauma that happens in our community and, and nobody wants to help us with it because they don't see us as human beings. So we'll have to do it ourselves. Yeah. So I, and, and so we, 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 we're made for this because our ancestors made it through.
2: Wow. Reverend Walden, I could sit with you for a whole special. I appreciate the work that you you are constantly doing to elevate these issues in our community. Thank you for everything you're doing. Make sure you look right there and let folks know how they connect with Mothers for Police Accountability.
1: Well, we got a website. It's mothers, S-O-Mothers for Police Accountability uh, uh, dot org. Uh, that's Mothers, S on Mothers, uh, for policeaccountability.org. Our uh, hotline number is two, uh, 206-329-2033. It's 206-329-2033. And the whole world has my cell phone number already.
2: Wow, <laughs> Reverend Walden, thank you so
1: much for well, being with you. me today. Thank you. You're such a beautiful person, and I'm so glad to be in the studio with you. It's yes. like it's making my day. I'm always wondering what you're gonna have on it. Mean, <laughs> so let me see. Fashionista here, so I'm not that fashion, but you are. I just, you know, I don't know what you're wearing, but it's always. Always good.
2: Oh, you know, I take that to heart coming from you. Thank you so much. It is your first time in my living room set and you are welcome anytime.
1: All righty. Let's do it again at some other time. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
2: Yes. Oh, you guys, we are starting the show off nice and right. And I'm excited because we are talking about other ways to keep ourselves safe. And it sounds like Seattle King County Clinic has been doing that. So I get to talk to Franny Schwartz after this. She's coming up next to tell us more about the 20th 2022 Seattle King County Clinic and what they're planning for next year. Stay tuned after this short break. You're watching The Day with Trey. COVID-19
1: hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose
0: our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing
3: counselor stepped in, talked
1: to our lender, and saved our home.
2: Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's Washington H-A-F dot Welcome back everybody to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. And right now I get to talk to Franny Schwartz about the Seattle King County Clinic. What's up, Freddie? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming. I mean, I, I, I love being a, a conduit for information and I had no idea what was going on. Tell us a bit about Seattle King County Clinic.
4: Yeah, so Seattle King County Clinic um, is a once a year pop up healthcare clinic that takes place at Seattle Center. Um, so we transform facilities on the campus into a operational healthcare facility. And in the case of twenty twenty two, this is our first uh, clinic coming back from the pandemic. Our last clinic was. February of 2020 Mm -hmm. so we kicked off with a vision clinic this year um, and transformed a couple facilities brought back our volunteers and our community and partner organizations and um, we were able to serve just over a thousand patients over the course of those four days Mm -hmm. to receive free vision care, and free prescription eyeglasses. This is a huge deal. I mean, we talk about different ways
2: that, you know, uh, King County leads, that Seattle leads. This is uh, really big because we know vision expenses can really be a cost burden to many families, particularly those that are in low-income areas. How do you guys reach out to make sure that families are aware of these opportunities with the clinic?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So, you know, thankfully, we have over 150 different organizations that we work with in the Seattle and greater Seattle community. Um, So we try to reach out to those networks and those partners, different media outlets um, to get the word out, get flyers out into the Um, so, we really do try to, to make those communications into those areas throughout the region because like you said, um, Vision is actually Vision Services. Um, it's actually one of the hardest services to find um, and fully covered. That's just something you really don't hear about very often. Um, so, we really work together with our organizations to get the word out um, and you know spread it throughout the community because we know so many people need access to care.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about the fact that I'm so grateful that we have in my neighborhood in Federal Way, uh, a local like vision clinic right there. And, and it, for me, I was like, OK. I got connected with it as a young mother, mm-hmm. and so you know my first son needs glasses, and as he was doing sports, he's like, "Mom, I need to, you know, merge over to contacts." And I was like, "Okay, you know, your insurance, the insurance doesn't cover that part, right?" So I I know personally about some of the costs that I experience as a mom who has a child who needs uh, glasses, right? And and also myself wearing glasses and his father wearing glasses. I mean we needed that. And so this is really great. I mean, you guys have wrapped up what you've done for 2022. Now you're looking at, okay, how do we make a a even greater impact? A thousand families, a thousand uh, eyeglasses going out. That's huge. That's a huge impact. Uh, What are you guys looking forward to for 2023?
4: Well, um, our organizers are working really hard and we're hoping to return in the spring of 2023 to come back with our full clinic. So medical, dental, and vision services yeah. um, and usually uh, in a full operation uh, in the past we've seen about a thousand patients per day wow. and then a thousand volunteers per day and that includes all of our healthcare providers our general support volunteers um, you know and then again our patients are coming from all over the region outside of seattle as far east as spokane um, even out of state wow uh-huh. i mean that's because clearly
2: healthcare is necessary. I mean, this is a really great example of that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of push in terms of like free healthcare for all. We've heard about that. We know, you know, Obamacare and Mm -hmm. trying to get some services out there, but it's clear that there are still some voids to be filled and some gaps that are out there for, for folks. Uh, You know, you're talking about all range of medical services, Tell us a bit about those partnerships to make this happen, because clearly that has got to be a huge part of how you guys are able to make such a great impact.
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Without our partnerships with uh, healthcare organizations, Different civic agencies, other nonprofits, um, and then in collaboration with Seattle Center. I mean, those are where our facilities are. So, um, without them, you know, this is not possible. And without our volunteers, they are the backbone of this operation. They show up and we're able to treat people. So, you know, the barriers to healthcare for the under and uninsured populations and, Um, even those who might have health insurance, but just doesn't cover everything. Or like you said, you've got to cover care for one or two family members, and then someone else isn't quite able to get the care that they need. We see a lot of families and a lot of patients just um, coming to receive the services that maybe they couldn't fully get through their plans. So um, without those organizations and partnerships that we have, uh, this really isn't possible. So we are so grateful for the community support that the clinic gets. Um, you know, we're very, very excited to hopefully return with all services next year.
2: Well, that sounds exciting for sure. I'm glad that you could come and shed some light on it. I had no idea about it until I read up on it. And I'm like, whoa. And so, so to hear those numbers, you're talking about 1000 patients a day um, when you guys have these clinics for multiple days. That's huge. Yes. Make sure you look right there because it sounds like you guys are always
4: going to be in need of volunteers. Look <laughs> yes. right there and let folks know how they can get plugged in. Yes, um, through our uh, website seattlecenter.org SKC clinic. Um, we have a lot of information on how to become a volunteer. Um, we have a lot of patient information as well and we'll be making our announcements about uh, 2023 You know, as soon as we're able to but we always need volunteers, general support, and healthcare professionals. Um, So please come out uh, once you hear about the clinic, and we're looking forward to having you. Absolutely. Franny. thank you so much for being with me and shedding some
2: light on this amazing clinic and effort that y'all are doing over there at Seattle Center. I really appreciated you coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I mean, you guys, who knew, you know, right, that there is this effort to provide free services. That's right, F-R to the E to the E y'all. This is really exciting because it's necessary. And I always love learning more about what our city and county are doing to really fill the voids. And it's clear that this clinic is doing so. So I'm excited because we're going to continue this conversation. I have Chelsea coming up. We're going to be talking about Seattle senders commitment to this clinic and how they're involved and engaged. Stay tuned after this short break, y'all. You're watching The David Trey. Welcome back, everybody, to The David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Joining me right now is Chelsea Riddick-Most. She is going to be telling us about Seattle Center's commitment to the Seattle King County Clinic Welcome, Chelsea. Hi. Nice Hi. to be here. Yeah, You know, this is uh, for me, as Franny was just explaining, I'm like, whoa, you know, I didn't know it was such an impact. Tell us about Seattle Center's commitment to this and your partnership to make this happen.
3: Seattle Center, this is, uh, we're going into our seventh year of um, facilitating and hosting uh, the clinic. It's amazing. I have to tell you, it's probably with the thousands of events that we do over the course of the year, this one is the one that people who work there get really excited about, um, partially because they can participate. You know, we see people every day coming onto our campus, but being able to volunteer and, and give and give back. This year, we had volunteers from all sectors of, um, of our organization, from, from the director um, on down, and also people who um, have left. The, um, Seattle Center, they come back to volunteer for this, um, for this clinic.
2: Wow. I mean, I think that when you talk about, uh, you know, a seven-year commitment, it's clear Seattle Center has seen uh, the value that this clinic is offering, uh, particularly those uh, um, who are underinsured or no uninsured, right? But also, as we were hearing, it sounds like people are coming from all over the place throughout the state to really, you know, get these services because it may be the one time of the year that they're getting them. Tell us a bit about how you've been able to experience this clinic in your time with Seattle Center.
3: So I've been there um, at the Seattle Center now um, just over a year. Um, What I think is really fascinating is that what I witnessed this year is that the doors for the clinic open at uh, we started taking um, uh, tickets for people coming into the clinic uh, at 6 a.m. And before eight o'clock, we were we had to shut things down because we had filled our capacity. Now, what that says to me is that we got the word out. To a lot of communities that could use the services, but what it also says to me is that um, there is a definite need um, for uh, for vision services. And so, my, um, you know, I always think about the um, the technicians, the nurses that are that are volunteering their time to be there, um, that are taking uh, the the care. To that they would for, um, for in their private practices Mm -hmm. that are taking the care to follow through and make sure that people that visit the clinic are getting a full service um, diagnostic of their, of their vision.
2: Wow. (laughs) You're talking about filling up in two hours. That is very indicative of the need, Uh, you know, and especially with this one only being for vision, you got some real good data too, I'm sure, out of that understanding, because then it's like, okay, how do we expand on what we're learning from 2022? Again, the first clinic back since the pandemic Uh, You know, what are some of the lessons you guys are looking to take into the clinic that you designed for 2023?
3: Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't even know if i'm the right person to to answer this question but i will say that right now we're still gathering um, data from from this past week weekends uh, clinic I think the big thing is that we're coming out of the pandemic we're seeing that um, that the uh, the issues around vision are a little more severe mm-hmm. um, than they had been in in previous years you know the wonderful thing is that we work with an organization that if we find uh, issues like cataracts or if we find issues like glaucoma or um, uh, uh, issues, medical issues that um, that are not directly about vision, but are indirect that indirectly impact the health of. Of, um, of people that come to the clinic. We have, um, resources that are involved in the, that are support the clinic that help follow patients all the way through Mm. the, the, um, the healthcare services. So that to me is a wonderful, um, value to the clinic because a lot of time what happens with people is that they'll come to the clinics, but the, um, the post, Piece sometimes gets difficult. Navigate navigating the um, the health healthcare is difficult. So being able to have a service um, like. This in that works with the clinic to follow people all the way through to make sure that um, that their services are um, are taken care of to me um, is is one thing that I hope will continue and that is needed. Yeah,
2: it, it's clear uh, that that's I mean, I, I was going to actually ask that in terms of like post care. So I love hearing that because, uh, you know, you you can identify some issues, medical issues that need more extensive care, right? And then what is the person to do about that? So I love hearing that there are those kind of like post-services available to those who need them. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot here about um, not just the need for health care, but for it to be culturally responsive for folks to really feel cared for in these environments. Tell us a bit about uh, how Seattle Center is kind of helping to make sure that you guys are partnering with the right kind of partners, right? Who are bringing that level of care to uh,
3: the clinic. Well, because it's a, um, it's, because it's a volunteer um, um, service um, that we offer. Uh, one of the things that you, people will experience is people are there because they want to be there. Mm. Right. Um, which makes a huge, a huge difference. So when people are volunteering their time, not because they're being forced to do it, but because they feel a commitment, um, a personal commitment, an emotional commitment to, to their community, to give back, you see the difference in how people are, are greeted, From the moment that that they are that they step onto the Seattle Center campus from when they walk into the the exhibition hall or wherever the facility is that we're we're hosting it, um, you know, to the moment that that they leave. Mm. You know, you are you are greeted with the care that you would if you were to go into anyone's private Practice and the wonderful thing is that we have physicians and technicians that are that are coming back and saying, "Okay, who else do I need to engage? How else can can I help? People want to um, to be more a part of, of what we're doing in a much bigger way. So our job, or um, I should say, you know, the the what's what the, um, the burden or not the burden, uh, for, for Julia Colson and Franny and, and members of, of her team is trying to figure out how can we expand and, and facilitate a larger, um, group.
2: Yeah. Yeah. More offerings. Right. Because clearly, I mean, the the one thing about this and I could only imagine, uh, you know, you don't want to turn people away, but you only have so many slots available. And that's probably another thing to try to figure out in terms of capacity. How do you elevate that? How do you bring more families in um, so that, you know, folks who maybe drove there because it sounds like it may be a first come, first serve type of thing you know, maybe they got there and they just missed the cutoff. And that's another, like, uh, heart-wrenching thing that, you know, then your team has to come back and say, okay, how do we prevent that moving forward next time? Well, this is really, uh, such a great dedication that Seattle Center has made, uh, to provide the space for this clinic. Shout out to you and the whole team over there for this level of dedication. I think, um, you know, now folks are familiar with this being at the Seattle Center campus. And so love to know that you guys are continuing in that effort for 2023. Uh, Chelsea, you can look right there make sure folks know how to connect with Seattle Center if they wanna volunteer, if they wanna learn more.
3: Please, um, you've heard Frannie um, previously say, go to our website or give us a call, connect with us um, at uh, seattlecenter.org, uh, contact us, reach out to us, follow our social media. We're always posting um, information and come on down. We look forward to seeing you in the spring. Absolutely. Wow, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here today to talk about
2: how Seattle Center is definitely committed to this clinic. Appreciate all you and the work you're doing. (laughs) Thank you and it's nice to be here Yeah absolutely Oh my goodness you guys such great information And we are going to continue on a great information Track on this thorough Thursday We got Tayme Wakoma in the building She is coming up next to tell us All about Sankofa Theater They have an amazing event coming up as well So you guys don't want to miss this Stay tuned you're watching The Day with Trey
3: Within sports you learn so many life lessons That will help you be successful in any area That you plan to pursue so I remember being a kid in Spokane and going to camps like this with my friends and just having a blast. And that's really when I fell in love with this game. Hopefully we're doing the same and inspiring some of these kids to keep going on this journey. Especially as a girl growing up, like you see you see a lot of boys at these camps, but
0: like just seeing like more and more girls start at a younger age, it, it makes me happy.
4: We had to have funding, right? We cannot do this work without the necessary resources available so that our kids can thrive without resources we can't see kids play and play to their potential. How we can ensure that basketball in our communities is sustainable. Funding is a big part of it. I think working with the right groups and this was the opportunity, I think, that kickstarted that and we're really excited about any opportunities to just keep moving it forward.
3: It was just an awesome opportunity to show what this community can do and what basketball energy they can bring. Being able to work with the Seattle Sports Commission, work with the King County Play Equity Coalition, uh, we were able to bring big basketball energy to Tequila Community Center. And hopefully use this as a launching point and able to get more funding for them in the future.
1: The kids get to see me get to see you know all the rest of the guys who did it all in the area of Washington Seattle area so being able to give back to them and uh, let them know that you know they can chase their
4: dreams too.
2: This is a fundamental right of all kids that they have the right to play which isn't always available to all of our kids in our communities.
4: We got next to ensure kids always have a place to play compete and have fun.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and joining me right now on my couch for the first time, Miss Tayme Wakoma. What's up, Taymay? Hi, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, going on? Yeah, I'm so glad that you could be here today. You're looking fabulous. Man, you know, you are my <laughs>
0: fabulous twin. I be, you be in my head at home, in my closet, like, okay, how would Trey put this together? <laughs> No, but for real, you're an inspiration. You know, like Reverend said earlier, you always got the the dip and dabber and local, too. Yeah, so shout out to you.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know, local is important. Yes. Uh, well, you have really been bringing your brilliance to a space. Now you guys are celebrating, what, almost a year, right? Yeah. A year at yeah. Sankofa Theater. Tell us about Sankofa Theater.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sankofa Theater is a black box theater that is located in Chinatown. It's in the Inscape building, which is the old immigration building. Mm-hmm. Um, friends of Enscape, um are a collective of artists who have occupied the building um, to bring culture to the space um, where there was previous history of um, erasure. You know, um, it's a place where uh, we're creating expression and hopefully community will engage with that. So Sankofa Theater is in the building, um, quite literally. So it's not its own brick and mortar. Um, we're a part of a collective of artists. And um Sancopa Theater was birthed out of um one, my personal history with performing artistry, mm-hmm. um, being a Langston Hughes kid, shout out to Langston, mm-hmm. um, and them affording me opportunities to perform at some really big theaters in um the town before I was 13. So the more, the paramount. The repertory theater, plenty of spaces I was given the opportunity to, um, really hone in on my craft. So now, um, I've traveled, I've, I've done a lot of things and I've, I've been back in Seattle for a while now. And one thing that I'm always passionate about is making sure people understand that I'm not a special case. It's not just me. If you see me on a commercial, it's because people like Isaiah Anderson and Danae Will, you know, like they really pulled up and was like, Hey, you can do this at 12. So Sankofa Theater is a space for um, all ages, by the way, um, who can come in and elevate their brilliance and elevate their creativity and be expressive. One thing I know, being a creative in Seattle, especially a young creative, being um, in the creative industry so young and so long, having a space to put your art on display is hard. Um, Not only do you have to gain that confidence to say, hey, I'm going to do this. You need a supportive community who says, yes, you can do this and let's help you elevate it. Right. So Sankofa is all about how do we bring collective resources together, you may not have the budget, you may not have the network necessarily, but if we add two or three more people into the room, like we were able to see, you you and I working together over the pandemic, what does it look like having folks in the room who are passionate and who can turn nothing into something.
2: Yeah, no, that's absolutely what it is. And I love that you said that because I think that that's so much of the brilliance and resilience that we've seen in Black communities across America uh, for many generations. And so the fact that there is now this space and it is an amazing theater. It's a great space, right? When you think about a young person who was like, man, I've been wanting, I I finally am doing choreography. I need to put a show on somewhere, right? Or you know what? I've been doing working on my spoken word. I'm ready to show it now. You know, Sankofa is that space. Tell us a bit about what you guys have been able to experience uh, in your first year, because it's already (laughs) been. I mean, you guys, I've been there several (laughs) times. You guys have been putting shows on. Tell us a bit about how you've been bringing those people into the space.
0: Uh, Well, you know me, I'm so transparent and authentic. It's been a journey um, really in our infancy, just. Um, reaching out to folks that uh, we are close to and we believe in and we're like, hey, we want to welcome you into our space. Like I said, it's a black box theater. And I feel like the the great takeaway of the black box theater being a theater kid is that it's an intimate space. Right. You don't have to worry about is this a big arena? You know, do I have to sell all these tickets? Do I have to perform in front of all these people? It's people who are actually coming to see your art and it's an intimate experience, right? So, um, so far we've had um, a Give Me Exclusive fashion show that kicked off our events uh, last year. Um, we also followed up with a vision board party. We partnered with the residency. Um, for those who are not familiar, the residency does great work with young artists, um, recording artists. And um, we partnered with them to put on an event with one of my close friends that we became best friends at. The summer musical through Langston Cameron Dean, incredible music video director, Um, and us being best friends. He just was like, "You on a theater? Wait, can I do an event there?" And I'm like, "Uh, "Duh, that's what it's for. It's for you know, it's for y'all. It's for us." I didn't put on. I didn't open a theater. A lot of people know me as a performing artist, so it's like I don't want there to be an idea that like, oh, this is my kingdom. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, this is our empire we are all creating things and we all need space and we all need each other. So that event was incredible. We were able to go over some of the videos he's been working on with Ty Dollar Sign, Benny the Butcher, um Leon Thomas and he's working on some more incredible things. So we're working on a part 2. Nice. Um and we hope folks come out to that um cuz we're dropping a lot of gems and knowledge because we're from Seattle. Mm-hmm. We believe in Seattle's talent. Um Seattle doesn't lack in talent. You know, we lack in connectivity sometimes. And so the Sankofa Theater Group is committed to that. Um, we've officially partnered with Wanawari. We're, you know, kind of a silent sister company, that being my family legacy and and Wakoma being my dad and being one of the founders. But we finally were able to um, make it make sense. And so we'll be dropping a affiliate page on Wanawari for community partners to get, you know, discounts or folks who just like, hey, I may not have the budget. Can you work with us? We're so open to that. Um, and so even tonight we'll be hosting Um, aftertown's volunteer, you know, game night and appreciation party. But following that at 8 p.m., we're having a community conversation with some community leaders about how we can address things that were talked about earlier today, like violence and what is our community code and going over community covenants that have been created by other folks in the community that care about each other. So we're having that tonight as well at 8 p.m. Um, But I came here to talk about our one year anniversary and so I was like, am I gonna do a grand opening or am I just gonna do an anniversary party? And I don't feel the grand opening vibe um because I just don't feel like I wanna make it like grandiose, right? Mm-hmm. I want it to be like come home, you know, like wanawari means our home, Sankofa. Um is a symbol that means go back to where you came from so you can go forward so it's all about community it's all about being communal um but a lot of folks who know me in the town i've been um a event girl a party girl i wear many hats um so this is gonna be a turn up situation it does start at 11 p.m so our one year anniversary uh rent party fundraiser also, we're having a raffle, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Yes, you heard me, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. So those of you who are like, it's Halloween. I want to celebrate. I want to get creative. I want to get dressed up. It's a theater. We encourage that. Um, we're going to have DJ um, Katie cuts. He's going to be spinning the tunes. And we just know it's going to be a fun weekend. I know so many um, of my peers who are throwing amazing events, right? And we encourage everybody to go out and support all those events because Sankofa is also about culture culture in Seattle. People don't know that Seattle have, has a very distinct culture Yeah, that I've traveled all over the world, technically. And people are like, what is this energy? And I'm like, the 206. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just right. like, come to Seattle. You know what I'm saying? We have a lot to offer. So, um, yeah, we'll be having our one year this Sunday, 11 p.m.,
2: a.m. That is amazing. Tayme, I just got to say, like, I'm so proud of you, uh, you know, uh, working with you for a long time and being in community with you in space. You always bring your authentic self to everything. You're like, this is who I'm like you said, people know me. I'm transparent. Like, yeah, you but you bring your all and to celebrate one year is such a phenomenal feat. I know it's taken a lot of energy to get to that one year, but I got to say, like, I've already, I've heard about so many great things that Sankofa has been doing throughout the year. And I'm like, oh, Sankofa again, Sankofa again. Let's get it. I love it. But it's also, like you said, that space for community. I want to make sure you know, how do folks learn about all the events going on at Sankofa? How do they show up uh, for this year anniversary? Because it is time to turn up. You're talking about 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Look, then you're like, come out, people. Look right there. Let them know how to connect.
0: Okay, so you can find us on Instagram at Sankofa Theater. You also can find us on our website, SankofaTheaterSEA.com. Um, and soon you'll be able to find us on the Wanawari um, website as well for our affiliate page. And yeah, you can go to our Eventbrite. It's in our link in bio of in our Sankofa IG Um Pre-sale tickets are twelve dollars, super affordable, um, and yeah, we're just gonna have a really great time, y'all. Like I'm all about having fun. If anyone knows me, no matter if I'm doing um, education or you know policy work, I need to bring a what we what do we call it? Entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> I gotta I bring the entertainment because I'm a performer at heart. And also I I believe that people can retain information when it makes them feel something trying to just read or just listen to something doesn't work for everybody. I know it never worked for me. I wasn't necessarily academic scholar per se, but if I were to, you know, put a rap behind my my flashcards, I'm acing a test, yeah, right? Yeah. If I'm dancing while I'm doing studying, I'm acing that test. And so um I just want people to understand. I know people are looking at like, is this a party? Is a fundraiser? Well, is it? It's a little bit of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in creating barriers where they don't need to be. So come out. Uh the Enscape building is in Chinatown, right behind a Wajamaya, 815 uh Seattle Boulevard South, 98134. Um, And yeah, we're going to have a
2: good time. Absolutely. Thank you, Trey. Anytime, anytime. Uh, you are welcome here. Make sure we know what's going on at Sankofa. You know, if you need to come here and promote anything, you got it. Anytime, space on that couch is always yours. Love you. you. Oh my goodness. You guys, I told you it was a great show and I know we are way over time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up now. Of course, I want to thank all of my guests, Reverend Harriet Walden. I want to also thank Franny Schwartz and Chelsea Riddick most. Um, And of course, thank Tame. You know, this litany of guests for me today has been nothing but what inspiration, you know it y'all, because I want y'all to be inspired by all the guests that come on the day with Trey. So you can do the thing that means seeing yourself as a part of the solution. That's what it's all about. And clearly all of my guests today have done that in their own right. You know, my thing is, is that every time someone comes on, I walk away with more inspiration to do the work I am needed to do in my community. But I also want to give you guys an example, a visual, uh, give you guys exposure to other people who have said, this is how I'm going to do it, right? Hey, I'm going to work with Seattle Center. We're going to do a clinic every year and we're going to bring free service to the people. Okay, look, I'm opening up a theater. We're going to have spaces for those who can't find event space. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be really integral to our community. We have Reverend Walden, who for decades has really dedicated herself to community safety, to police accountability, to being there for mothers, as she just explained to us. So I want you guys to understand the wide variety is necessary. It's needed for all of us to be in our lane, to do our thing and bring it about for other people. That's what everyone here is always doing. And I want you guys to definitely be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. I got another great show for y'all tomorrow as we wrap up the week. I wanna make sure y'all stay tuned with that. And before I go, I gotta say this. Get your tickets to Tristan and Isolde. It is an amazing opera going on right now at Seattle Opera, which I got to experience on Friday last week. And I was amazed. The scenes are incredible. Make sure you guys get your tickets. They got another performance. Their last one is on the 29th. And I just want to push that message because so many of us don't see ourselves in the opera. When I talk about us, I mean, you know, Black folks, Latino folks, you know, other other communities of color don't always feel like the opera is for them. But I want you to understand Seattle Opera is committed to opening that space up so you feel welcome. I am now a real fan of the opera. And I'm telling you, it it, it was one show after another where I'm just so enthralled in how they put these amazing shows together, how the stories are slowly told through song. You guys will not be disappointed if you go to this show. So I just want to push that. Make sure you guys cop your tickets by the 29th uh, to see their last show. Phenomenal show. Shout out to everybody who's involved at Seattle Opera. You guys are fantastic. Um, you guys well, for to me. Uh, you know, I'm going to be back tomorrow again. Nice, great show wrapping up the week and you guys can catch me tomorrow at 11 a.m. Peace. <laughs>